This show contains descriptions of violent crimes and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. In the early morning of June 18, 2014, a 24-year-old woman is pacing back and forth between her car and an apartment building in Askersund, a small town in the middle of Sweden. She hasn't slept at all that night, and her mind is racing. Finally, she decides she is going to do this. So she tightens the grip on the knife and the hammer she is carrying, and quickly strokes her pocket to make sure the syringes are still in there. And then, with determination in her steps, she starts walking towards the entrance door. Welcome to episode 31 of True Crime Sweden. I am your host, Panilla. This is part two of a two-part story, so if you haven't listened to the first part yet, please go back and listen to that one first. I'm going to start with a short background on what happened before we left off in part one. Jonna had just arrived to the apartment building where Fredrik's apartment was. Inside Fredrik's apartment, Lovisa was alone and getting ready to go to work. When Lovisa leaves the apartment and is about to lock the door, Jonna attacks her out in the hallway with a hammer. Jonna hits Lovisa several times and pulls her back inside the apartment and locks the door. Lovisa moans and her sounds get louder and louder. Jonna tells her to shut up, and then they both hear that someone is knocking on the door. And that's where we're going to continue from. After hearing the knocking on the door, Jonna panicked. She didn't know who it was, but obviously someone living in the building heard the noise and wondered what was going on. Jonna didn't know what to do next. So she tried to move Lovisa further away from the door, away from the stranger on the other side. Somehow she managed to pull Lovisa into the bathroom and took out the syringes from her pocket. Just like Dexter, she jabbed one of the syringes in Lovisa's neck, hoping this would shut her up. But Lovisa wasn't giving up that easily. As the needle touched her skin, she flinched and pulled away from the sharp pain. Jonna cursed and tried to figure out a plan B. This was not going the way she had planned. 
As Lovisa was trying to get away from her attacker, Jonna took an even firmer grip of her and shoved a bathroom towel in Lovisa's mouth to silence her. But Lovisa was strong. She fought back and Jonna had to take even more measures to get control over the situation. She pulled out the kitchen knife she had brought and stabbed Lovisa in the neck. At the same time as this is going on in the bathroom, the neighbor was still knocking on the door, and the knocking could be heard through the bathroom door. Jonna kept stabbing Lovisa multiple times, but she wasn't satisfied with the damage that she caused. She ran into the living room looking for a more efficient murder weapon and found Fredrik's hunting knife sitting on the computer desk. Lovisa was now lying on the bathroom floor, seemingly lifeless, when Jonna came back and continued stabbing her with the hunting knife. Finally, Lovisa was quiet, Jonna thought to herself. And then she threw up in the toilet. The apartment was now completely silent. The knocking on the door had stopped and Lovisa wasn't breathing. The only thing Jonna heard was the sound of her own adrenaline-boost heart beating really fast. In a state of shock and panic, Jonna pulled herself together and walked out the door, leaving Lovisa behind. She ran to her car and called her ex-boyfriend Niklas. She told him how she had done something really stupid and that she had been attacked by Lovisa who came at her with a knife. Niklas said he didn't want to get involved in her business and hung up on her. Jonna drove back to her house and just sat there for a while. She contemplated her options. She didn't want to end up in jail. All she wanted was to forget that this ever happened. Filled with anxiety, she drove back to Fredrik's apartment where Lovisa's lifeless body was still lying in the bathroom. It was about 9 a.m. when she got back. When she entered the bathroom, Lovisa was lying there in the exact same position as before. So it was true. She had killed Lovisa. And now, somehow, she needed to get rid of of the body. Jonna was a tiny girl and Lovisa was too heavy for her to lift. To be able to dispose of her body, she needed to cut her into smaller pieces, and for that she needed some equipment. So she drove back to her house again. On her way back, she tried calling her ex-boyfriend Niklas again, but he wouldn't take her calls. At her house, Jonna found a saw and a couple of blue IKEA bags. She changed her clothes and threw them in the washing machine. She had been wearing a pair of jeans, black socks, a black t-shirt with the word game in the front, and a grey hoodie. 
She kept her white canvas shoes on, even if they had some blood stains on them. Jonna put on a pair of black sweatpants and a pink tank top. On her way back to Askersund, she was stopped by the police for speeding. This was at 11.49 a.m. By the time she got back to the apartment again, it was 12.15. She parked her car right outside the entrance door and went upstairs. And a little warning now, because there are going to be some gruesome details. First, she sawed off Lovisa's left leg. The jeans Lovisa was wearing got in the way, so Jonna pulled them down and threw them aside. The next step was to saw her right leg off, right below the hip. The two legs were placed in one Ikea bag. Then she moved on to the torso. But before she could start sewing, she had to pull up her clothes, a red sweater and a jeans jacket. The upper body was cut in two, between the chest and the stomach. When Jonna later told this to police, She said there was a massive amount of blood involved in the division of the torso. After working on the body for a couple of hours, she finally had three bags with the remains. Two legs in one, the torso cut in two pieces in the other, and lastly the rest with the head in the third bag. Upon finalizing her act of dismemberment, Jonna took the towel she had shoved in Lovisa's mouth before and covered her head and her face. These three bags were used to get Lovisa's remains out to Jonna's Ford Fiesta that was parked outside the entrance door. Jonna walked back up to the apartment and cleaned it meticulously. There was blood all the way from the hallway to the bathroom. She grabbed a mop and a bucket from the cleaning cupboard and started mopping the floors. Fredrik's hunting knife was left in the same place where she took it after rinsing it off thoroughly. The last thing she did was to rinse the bloody mop in the bathroom and close the door. After that she wrote a very passive-aggressive message to Fredrik and put the note on the kitchen table. It said, Hi, considering you are complete silent towards me, I figured you didn't choose me. So I decided to swing by and grab the last of my stuff from your apartment. I was greeted by Psycho Lovisa. It's so nice to see that you have moved on already. I will drop your key in the mailbox and I have removed every piece of item that could remind you of me. I hope you and Lovisa will live happily ever after. You two seem very much alike when you are angry. Take care now. I will always love you, Fredrik. 
Hugs and Kisses from your Yomna. Before she left the apartment building, she knocked on the door of the next-door neighbor and told them she had had a fight with Lovisa, Fredrik's girlfriend. She told them that Fredrik was not to blame for any of the ruckus that had been going on earlier that day. When the police asked Jonna about this afterwards, she explained that she didn't want Fredrik to get in any trouble with his landlord. Jonna left Fredrik's apartment at about 2 p.m., driving her own car with Lovisa's remain in the trunk and parking it in the parking lot of a grocery store nearby. Then she walked back and got into Lovisa's car. She had found Lovisa's car keys in her purse after she killed her. She figured she would drive her car elsewhere to make it look like she had left by her own account. As she was leaving the apartment building, Jonna called her older sister and told her about the horrible fight she had had with Lovisa. And she told her a story of how Lovisa had come at her with a knife and that there had been a struggle before Lovisa had jammed the knife in her hand and that's when Jonna took off. She didn't tell her sister that Lovisa was dead. In this story, Lovisa still lived when Jonna left the apartment. At 2.30pm, Jonna had a shift coming up at work. So she parked Lovisa's car outside her own workplace and went inside. Her co-workers immediately saw the wound on her upper hand and asked what had happened. She didn't say anything but let herself be taken to a doctor's office to have it checked out that same afternoon. When she got back an hour later, she acted like nothing out of the ordinary had happened that day. Fredrik's shift in the sink mine ended at 3.25 p.m. There is no cell phone reception down in the mine, so he didn't try to reach Lovisa earlier that day. But he had one text from Jonna which said, Call me. After calling Lovisa multiple times without response, he called Jonna reluctantly, knowing there would be an argument. Jonna told him how she had swung by his apartment and that she had ended up in a fight with Lovisa. When he said he had tried calling her, Jonna reassured him that there was nothing going on with Lovisa. She was fine. When Fredrik got home, he noticed the apartment was cleaned and the mop was out. So he called Jonna again, asking what had been going on while he was at work. She told him there had been a knife involved in a fight with Lovisa and that Jonna had been cut. Blood had stained the floors and she wanted to clean the place up before she left for good. Fredrik was really starting to worry about Lovisa now. Why didn't she just pick up her phone? 
He kept calling Lovisa's phone and drove by her apartment, but noticed that her car wasn't in the parking lot. He kept going to a place called Broengen, where Lovisa's brother lives, and stroke up a conversation with him, without mentioning that he was worried sick about Lovisa. But now, even her friends had realized that she was missing. They kept calling Lovisa without getting an answer, and they drove around the neighborhood to look for her car. Fredrik called Jonna again after he got back to his apartment. Her story didn't add up, and he couldn't make sense of what she was saying. Jonna then told him she was going to call the police, because as far as she knew, Lovisa was fine when she left the apartment that morning. Angry, but fine. Now that Jonna knew that Fredrik was at home, she started feeling very anxious about someone finding Lovisa in her car. After all, she was driving Lovisa's car that day, and people would soon start putting two and two together. So she called a friend from work and asked if she could fill in for her. At 5.30 p.m., Jonna left her work and drove Lovisa's car to the train station in a nearby village called Halsberg and paid for parking with Lovisa's credit card. After that, Jonna took the bus from Halsberg station back to the town of Askersund at 6.05 p.m., paying for the ticket with her own credit card. Our dear Jonna is really leaving a lot of traces for the police here. Back in the town of Askersund, she walked to the grocery store parking lot and got into her own car, with the remains of Lovisa still in her trunk. She sat there contemplating what to do next. She had thought of putting Lovisa on the train tracks and wait for the train to run over her dead remains. Jonna was still hoping she could make it look like a suicide. But the whole idea just seemed so preposterous after a while, so she just started driving off without a real plan. She drove around for some time and finally found a road that looked good and that led into the woods. Jonna drove in a bit and then she took out the IKEA bags containing Lovisa's remains. She places them under some trees and tried to cover them with leaves and branches. The only thing she brought back home was the saw. The hammer and syringes were dumped in another bag. When Jonna got home to the house, she was acting nervous. She cleaned her car as much as she could and left the saw in the tool shed. Her clothes were put in the washing machine and she put on a summer dress and a pair of leggings. Niklas was sitting in the living room, waiting for her to come and talk to him. He knew something terrible must have happened, based on her phone calls and the way she was acting right now. But when he confronted her about her day, 
She didn't say anything. Instead, she asked him to take her to the police station because she wanted to file a complaint against Lovisa, who had attacked her with a knife. Niklas replied that it was late and that the station was probably closed already. So instead, Lovisa called the police and told them the same story she had told Fredrik, her sister, and her co-workers. Lovisa had attacked her with a knife. It took about an hour for the patrol car to drive out to their house and to take her statement. Jonna kept to her story, and that same night both Fredrik and Niklas were taken in for questioning. But every time they asked Jonna to repeat her story, some things in her story changed, and the detectives became suspicious. At last, one of them couldn't bear the frustration anymore. He stood up and yelled at her to tell them the truth, and Jonna finally caved. She admitted to them that she had killed Lovisa and disposed of her body. The police took her for a drive to point out where she had hidden the body parts. They sealed the area off and called in crime scene investigators. By now, Jonna was in a very bad mental state and had to be taken to a psychiatric ward, where she remained until the trial began in November that same year, 2014. She was sentenced to 16 years in prison for the murder and dismemberment of her rival, Lovisa. The case was of course appealed, and on March 18th, 2015, the higher court, Göta Hovret, changed the sentence to life imprisonment. Jonna Henningsson was taken to the Correctional Institution for Women called Hinseberg three months later, on July 31st. And if you thought Jonna would spend her time in prison without causing any more trouble, you were wrong. Jonna, who is today 28 years old, was recently charged with unlawful threat and unlawful assault against another prisoner. That prisoner is a 22-year-old woman who is in prison because she tried to kill someone. But the 22-year-old was kind of targeted by Jonna, who started to threaten her to do what she wanted. Jonna said she would have someone hurt the woman's little brother if the woman didn't walk with her during the time they go out on the prison yard. Jonna also made threats against the woman to kill her or people in her family if she didn't agree to marry Jonna. The woman finally was transferred to another prison to serve the rest of her time. And all the letters that Jonna keeps writing to her are taken care of by the prison staff 
so that the woman never has to receive them. It's probably good if the system keeps Jonna locked up for as many years as possible. Thank you so much for listening to episode 31 of True Crime Sweden. This case was kind of different. A young woman who kills a rival might not be so unusual. But to dismember the body afterwards? You don't see women do that, really. And if you want to discuss the case further, you're welcome to join the discussion group on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Sweden Discussion Group. And if you want to contact me, you can always email me at truecrimesweden at gmail.com or find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for True Crime Sweden. But now, let's get over to today's fact about Sweden. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the prisons in Sweden starting with the prison for women that Jonna was placed in. It's called Hinseberg, and it's the most well-known of the five prisons for women. It's located in Fröby, the very same place where Jonna and Niklas moved into their first apartment together, not at all far from Jonna's family and friends. Hinseberg is Sweden's largest women's prison, Hinseberg Prison has about 100 employees and has room for 93 inmates. Swedish prisons are categorized in three safety classes. The maximum security facilities are called Safety Class 1. There are seven maximum security prisons. The most renowned are Hall, Nortelje Anstalten and Kumla. None of them except female inmates. If you remember the Haga man from a previous episode, he served his sentence at Nortelje Anstalten. And the killer pastor in Knutby in episode 16, Helge Fosmo, he is still serving his time in Kumla. The minimum security prisons are called Safety Class 3 and are open prisons. An open prison trusts the prisoner to serve their sentence with minimal supervision and by only being locked inside the prison, not in cells. Prisoners may be permitted to take up employment or study at a local university or school while serving their sentence. They go to work or school and then have to be back at the prison at, say, 5 p.m. and then sleep there. This type of prisons is often used when the prisoner is getting close to his or her release date. There are 16 open prisons in Sweden. And between the maximum and minimum security prisons, there are safety class 2, which Hinseberg is classified as. Not as strict as class 1, but still with fencing and strict supervision. 
So far, women may only serve time in a class 2 prison, not a maximum security prison. There are 26 class 2 prisons in Sweden. In October 2017, there were 4,148 incarcerated people in Sweden. That's a total of 0.04% of the population. We are around 10 million people in Sweden today. 94% of the incarcerated persons were men and 6% women. The most common crime to serve time for is acts of violence, and the second most common is narcotics. 20% of inmates are between the ages 25 and 29. 144 inmates were serving life sentences. 75% of the inmates have been sentenced to only up to one year in prison. Most of them less than that. The cost of having people incarcerated in Sweden is approximately 3,000 Swedish kronor per person and day. That's roughly about $300. The Swedish word for correctional services is kriminalvården. A literal translation of that word is criminal care. The system is aimed at rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. One may have various opinions about this, but I want to look at it from a strict outcome perspective. What is the effect of keeping people locked up? About 30% of prisoners in Sweden reoffend. That means that 70% does not fall back into criminal behavior after time served at least not within three years after being released back into society. Measuring how many former prisoners that reoffend is difficult because the definition of reoffending varies from country to country. But as reported on BBC Radio 4 on Monday, September 2, 2005, the number of prisoners reoffending in the United States is 60% compared with 50% in the United Kingdom. The report attributed the lower percentage in the UK to a focus on rehabilitation and education of prisoners compared with the US focus on punishment, deterrence and keeping potentially dangerous individuals away from society. I don't know if the Swedish statistics of 30% is comparable but I would at least guess that our numbers are closer to the ones in the UK than the ones in the US. It's kind of interesting. There are about a dozen different treatment programs in Swedish prisons. Treatment for sexual problems, aggression, violence in close relationships, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, general crime, and more. The treatment programs are accredited, which means that they have passed a scientific examination and that there is research that shows that the programs reduce the risk of recurrence in crime and abuse. Participation in these programs are voluntary and it doesn't affect the length of your prison time if you don't participate. 
Kriminalvården, the criminal care, is a government agency that is part of the Swedish judicial system. Tasked with incarcerating suspects during pre-trial and trial and convicts after sentencing. All prisons are run by the government in Sweden. So now you know a little more about what we do with our prisoners here. And well, that's it for today. I would really like to know what you thought of today's case. If you want to discuss the case further, or if you have any questions, you're welcome to join the discussion group on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Sweden Discussion Group on Facebook. I hope to see you next time. Goodbye! Hej då!